John Kistler is back with us again. John's uh, become a regular guest on our show. John's a writer and animal advocate who thinks about the natural world from a biblical perspective. And uh, John is with us today to speak of all things meat, the eating of meat, the production of meat. John, it's an odd subject, but I, I know you're the guy to tackle it. It's a hard one. I don't like talking hard things because it hurts, but sometimes the truth hurts, and if you don't hear it, you never learn it. It's mm. a hard one. Why? Well, because the current system we use is evil. Hmm. Okay, why? Talk about it. Okay, well, first of all, I want to point out that I am not a vegetarian, and Jesus was not a vegetarian, and God says in the Bible we can't eat meat. So I am not attacking meat as a necessary an item. evil. Okay. No, what I'm talking about is how we produce the meat that we eat. So I do not believe that Jesus would have been pleased in any respect with the current system of meat. Um, mm -hmm. If Christians are going to talk about cruelty in any real sense, we can't just talk about pets or wildlife, because 97% of the animals that people kill on Earth are eaten. So almost wow. all of the cruelty in the world is in meat production. Wow. So that's really where the suffering is. You know, you might send money to a humane society, and that's a good cause to help the animals in the shelters. That's a tiny percentage of the animals that are suffering in the world. Mm -hmm. Most of them are suffering because we eat way too much meat. Hmm. I, I, I'm glad you brought this up because I think it was the last time you were with us, you said something to the effect of that uh, for many millennial, people ate meat maybe once a week, right? But now we eat meat three, three times, times a day. day. Exactly. Uh, let's talk about chicken for an example. In 1910, the average human in America ate seven pounds of chicken. In 1970, it was 40 pounds of chicken. In 2016, it's 80 pounds of chicken. Per year. Per year, per person. So we're eating 11 times more chicken than we ate 100 years ago. That's a big change. Wow. And if you take that per person, we're also talking about the world's population exploding. In 1910, there were 2 billion people. In 2010, there were 7 billion people. So the world's population went up by three and a half, per, three and a half times, and yet our meat consumption went up 10 times. Wow, that's a lot of chicken. That's a lot of animals. 60 billion animals mm. a year we eat. 60 billion chickens or animals? No, animals. That includes pigs and cows and rabbits. We, 60 billion animals yeah. worldwide. Yeah, I'm almost 50 years old now, and according to the average... I averaged it out. I've probably eaten 1,400 chickens so far. I'm not dead yet. That's mind-boggling, so, John. Wow. You, you can't even imagine how many animals you eat because we don't see them as animals. They are produced for us in McNugget form. Right. Already killed. Uh, a lot of you, you hear funny stories about children going to uh, or at school answering the question, where does a cow come from? It comes from the grocery store. Yeah. You know, or they don't even recognize that that piece of meat once belonged to an animal. Mm. Meat itself, is, as a word, is a euphemism for flesh. Yes. We're eating animal flesh. Uh, so PETA came out a few years ago with that, uh, the, you know, the bumper sticker, meat is murder. Right, that's false. Meat is not murder. murder or, uh, meat is a sacrifice, and it is a death. So we can call it a natural evil. It's something that occurs because of the fall. We were all vegetarians in the Garden of Eden. Um, I don't think we'll be eating meat in the future heaven, new heavens and new earth. However, uh, in the meantime, we are eating meat. I, it is not a sin to eat meat, but it is a sin to eat meat gluttonously or carelessly. And so you might think of it this way. Eating meat is a lot like 
talking or sex? How so? Well, if you think about sex, sex is good the way God created it. Sex is bad the way people do it, adultery, fornication, pornography. So there are perversions of sex. Talking is good if you're helping people, but it's bad if it's gossip, slander, libel, Mm. and flattery. Mm -hmm. Same way with eating meat. Eating meat is good if it's done in a godly manner by godly principles, but it's twisted when it's done in a manner that's cruel and debased. So the production of meat in this country, obviously a a billion, multi-billion dollar industry. Can you talk about that flow of what that looks like, the agra-growing of meat for our consumption? Sure. Let's let's just do chickens. We'll leave out pork and beef for the moment. Okay. If you take a chicken's life, a chicken is no longer produced by uh, the copulation between male and female chickens. They are genetically unable to reproduce because they're so fat. They're all done by... uh, Insemination, artificial insemination. The same is true of pigs and cows and rabbits and turkeys. None of them have sex anymore. They're all in the lab. They're inseminated. In the, in the hatchery, thousands of chickens are born every day. And by day two or three, you can tell if the baby chick is a male or a female. If the chicken is intended at the hatchery to go to a laying farm to lay eggs, males are useless. So the people take the male chicks and throw them into a grinder. And they're ground up, billions of them, and served back to the chickens as food. So that's just how they start. Then you put them in a cage. You give them about half a sheet of paper worth of space. You cut their beaks off so they can't hurt each other. And you let them sit in their own poop for about a year. That's how long they'll last before they die or before they can no longer produce enough eggs. So then they're thrown into the grinder. Now, if you're a broiler chicken, it's a little better. You have a shorter life, though. Broiler chickens have been genetically engineered. They used to live six months. Now they live three months. If you let them live more than three months, their hyped-up metabolism will give them a heart attack. Hyped up in what way? Uh, To grow three times faster with half the feed. So you're saying they're injected with chemicals? No, they're fed the chemicals. I see. So anyway, they balloon up super fast, and they're killed real quick. But what you do is you send them to the slaughterhouse at age two months, You dangle them by their feet. You send them up the disassembly line. You know, a car is an assembly line. This is a disassembly line. We're taking the chicken apart. Right. You hang it from its feet. You send it over a bathtub where its head dips into an electrified water, hopefully to stun it. The trouble is only half of them get stunned. The rest of them then are cut. They all are cut at the throat, and then they bleed for a few minutes, and then they drop them in a boiling vat to boil all the feathers off. About 5% of them are still alive when they're boiled. That gets the feathers out. Then the people start chopping them up to serve us as food. So the life of a chicken, the chicken never sees the sun. It lives in a barn with half a beak because it's been cut off. Sometimes they cut off the toes so they can't scratch each other. They're fed antibiotics so they'll grow quickly. So they never have a life. So that is the current chicken industry. I can't imagine the brutality that's on the animal but for the workers who are also caring and producing these chickens, that's also a brutal life. It is, and the slaughterhouses are filled with mostly undocumented workers because they work for less than minimum wage, and they have no health care, and once they're injured, they just go home. Wait, are you saying this is across the board in, in meatpacking facilities as well? Yes, I would say, well, from the books I've read, a majority of the workers are probably undocumented workers or legal immigrants. Very few Americans can survive that kind of job. Uh You're talking about a line of 1,400 chickens an hour, 250 chickens a minute going by. 
you don't have much time to think. It's repetitious work. Wow. So, yes, they kill the – well, they harm the people – as much as they hurt the animals. John Kistler is with us. John is uh, an animal advocate who thinks about the natural world from a biblical perspective. Now, John, uh, you're coming on here, and, and I'm glad that, you know, from the very beginning you said that you are not a vegetarian. The, the horrors that you're talking about are something that we're all guiltily investi- ingesting on a daily basis. Absolutely. And what I want people to think about and what I try to do, I've, I'm eating less meat, and I'm seeking out as much as possible restaurants that serve not factory farmed meat or local farmers who sell meat that has been raised in a godly manner. The, the words I use for it, for a factory farm, what I just described to you was a factory farm. Yes. 98% of our meat is produced there. I call them harm farms because they are nothing but harm to any person or animal in it. Whereas a traditional farm where people cared about the animals and actually let them live a life. A relationship. I call that a grace place. So you've got harm farms and grace places, and I'm trying to find grace places. You can find them online. You can find them locally uh, to feel better about the, the food that I eat. And the, the it's not organic. It's what? Well, there's a number of ways to do that. It's just on a traditional farm. Organic farming is one word. The trouble is is that the companies even have us fooled with labels. Yeah. The labels are false. If it says grass-feed beef, it probably got a blade of grass stuck in there by accident. Mm. Only if it says 100% grass-fed beef does it mean anything. Organic farming, in fact, you can say organic. There's no standards. You can call it organic if you gave it some natural food once. It doesn't mean it had natural food its whole life. It just had natural food once. Mm. So you can't trust a lot of those. Uh, Almost anything you get in a grocery store is a lie. The big agribusinesses pay grocery stores to exclusively, by contract, carry their goods. So most of that is owned by the big four business uh, models, JBS, Cargill, Tyson, and Smithfield Foods. I see. John, um, years ago, I read uh, Upton Sinclair's The Jungle. Now, this was produced... uh, 1904. 1904, in the packing houses, the meat factories in Chicago. Yes. It's a crushing. I mean, that was sort of expose before there was expose. Well, what's funny about that, it's not. It's funny in a dark ha-ha way. Um, he wrote that. He was a socialist, and he wrote that to show the plight of immigrant workers, how we were abusing them. Yes. It just happened by coincidence they were working in meat factories. And so when the big brouhaha stirred up about how nasty the meat system was, he famously said, um, I aimed at America's heart, and I hit it instead in the stomach. Huh. And the reason things changed is because Teddy Roosevelt was president, and he liked going up against big business. And he remembered from his Spanish-American war days how many of his men died from eating tainted meat in cans from Chicago. Whoa. You'd get your rations in a tin, you'd open it up and eat it, and you'd die. That's Mm -hmm. how bad the stuff was. So he jumped on the bandwagon, even with the socialists, to fix this problem, and they ordered the USDA to start the FDA food inspection program. I see. But unfortunately, in the 1980s, deregulation under Ronald Reagan, who was a good president in many ways, uh, the USDA totally backed out of the inspection system. They do practically zero inspections now. The companies inspect themselves. Is that right? Yeah. So you get fecal matter mixed into your hamburgers. E. coli was never found in America until 1980s when we stopped inspecting. What we did is we changed the formula. used to be you had to take out their intestines to get all the poop and urine out don't have to do that anymore you can just mix it all into the meat 
On that note, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we'll continue our conversation about food, about meat eating and production, and how to do it the right way. John Kissler's with us, writer and animal advocate. Stay close on the ride home. The Kathy Show continues on 101.5 WORD. We are talking about meat, the eating and production the meat industry with John Kessler. John's a writer and animal advocate who thinks about the natural world from a biblical perspective. Now, let me reiterate, if you're just joining us, that John is not a vegetarian. None of the three of us are vegetarians. Um, I'm married to one. And so I've kind of, uh, and my husband became a vegetarian. Out of necessity. Um, out of necessity, uh, just because of some um, digestive issues that he has. But he's been a vegetarian now, what, a year and a half. And so because we're married, I end up kind of, yeah. you know, you end up just doing that because you, you know, you kind of want to eat the same food. I have to say, and this is just practically speaking, I haven't missed it that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I probably eat meat. I mean, he never eats it. I probably eat red meat maybe once a month, once every six really? weeks or really? something like that. I have to say, I don't miss it that much. I Now, that surprises me. Um, I would not have thought that before we started down the path. And again, there's no self-righteousness associated with that. I'm not trying to save the world. I'm not trying to save the earth. It wasn't. Necessity. Yeah, it was just out of, uh, out of uh, you know, dietary necessity. But... If you're thinking about this as an option, I have to say, it's it's really worked for us. Uh-huh. We have fish, um, and that's it. We don't do chicken or beef just because he can't eat it. Right. But I'm sure that comes with its own set of problems. John, have you looked at that at all? What, a vegetarianism or just eating fish? Or about which, eating which? fish, the fish industry. Yes, the fish industry is becoming worse. It's not totally bad yet, but unfortunately, almost all the fish you get at the market now is farmed. Mm-hmm. because the oceans are nearly empty. We've taken about 90% of the fish out of the oceans Good in the last golly. 50 years. Really? Yeah. So you have to raise them in farms. Farms create pollution problems, and they tend to get sick more easily or catch sea lice because they're so close together. If one of them gets it, it spreads to the others. I see. So there are problems with it. Um, it is better for you than some of the other meats. But you were saying it's you don't miss it that much, and I've found the same thing. I've found that uh, fruit makes a very good substitute. I realize it's a lot of sucrose, which is sort of sugar, but it's natural sugar. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's not that difficult to to eat less meat. I mean, we're already eating more meat than we're supposed to. I think doctors say we should eat 2.5 ounces of meat a day as a healthy amount. I think the average man eats about six ounces a day. Mm. So, you know, if you're eating double the amount of meat, why not take it out of one of your meals? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just uh, the other thing I started to do about a year ago is to buy cage-free eggs because I, I you know, and again, this is not something everybody can do. I feel like I, I'm in a luxurious situation in my life that I can afford that because it's really much more expensive. But I felt like, you know, we don't eat meat. We do eat eggs and we eat a lot of eggs. In our house. So I thought, well, this is one thing I can do. If we're not putting the money into meat, we're saving that on our grocery bill. The one thing I can do is buy cage free eggs. So talk about that. There's a move in America and a lot in Western Europe and uh, in Scandinavia about cage free eggs. Yeah, well, it's remarkable if you look at a list of the good vitamins in cage free eggs or regular f- eggs as opposed to f- harm farm eggs. Factory farmed eggs have probably less than 20% of the good vitamins and minerals that you have in normal eggs. Really? Because they're they're not fed healthy food. They're fed whatever it requires to make more eggs. It's not the quality of the eggs that's important. It's the quantity. 
mm-hmm. factory farming. The reason I heard you guys talking earlier about some of your favorite restaurants, mm-hmm. I'll bet that the reason most of those restaurants taste so good is because they use real mm-hmm. meat, not mm-hmm. faux meat. Mm-hmm. We are living on faux meat. It's genetically engineered. It's softer. It's paler. It has less vitamins, but it makes for heavier weight, and they pay by the pound. So when you get a good piece of meat, I I was in a restaurant in Michigan recently out in the middle of nowhere. Excellent, excellent sausage and bacon. And I thought to myself, I'll bet this isn't fake meat. I'll bet this is from some local farmer here. Mm -hmm. You can taste the difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, John, and people tuning in and hearing us talking about meat and knowing that this is a Christian radio station, people would say, well, what's the difference? I mean, why would Christians care about animals and meat production and the quality of meat that they eat? Because the animals belong to God. They don't belong to us. So if we're going to kill them, we have to give them the life that God wanted them to have. The three biblical principles that I've found in for treating animals, domestic animals, are these. They have to have proper food and water. They have to be protected from harms, and they have to have rest. And a factory farm, a harm farm, never gives them any of those things. They never get proper food. They're only fed to make them balloon faster. They never get protection. They're protected, yes, from predators and the elements, but they're not protected from each other or from disease. So, in fact, they're in more danger in a factory farm than they would be from eagles walking around outside. And finally, they never get rest. They never leave the barn. In the Ten Commandments, we were given a Sabbath, a day of rest, for us, for our servants, and for our animals. Mm -hmm. And, hey, if you don't want to take the Sabbath, that's fine. But if you're going to deny someone else the Sabbath, you better have a good reason. So if if you're going to eat an animal, it needs to have a good life. That's the bottom line for a Christian. Mm -hmm. But you're telling us it's virtually impossible in many instances, right? Yes. We have to change the system. We have to start changing the system. Now, it's going to take time because if 98% of our meat is evil, then it's hard to to live on the other 2%. We have to start making changes. We have to bring ethics back. It's Right now, it is all numbers. Whatever makes the most money, we will do. We will cut corners to make it cheaper. We need to go away from that. We need to pay more for meat and make sure it's treated well. I see. Now, during the commercial break, you talked about President Obama, and the president tried to do something about this. Yes, and when he was a candidate, he went to Iowa and talked to a lot of farmers, and a lot of small farmers were being gobbled up by the factory farms, and they begged him to do something, and he promised he would. And in his second year, he hired Tom Vilsack, the governor of Iowa, former governor, to head up the USDA, and he said, I want changes made. I want there to be some real food safety, and I want some protections for small farmers. Well, when the big ag industry heard about this, they sent millions to every senator and congressman in Washington. Dollars. Dollars. Tens of millions of dollars. And they framed this as an attack on capitalism. The socialists are trying to take away your freedom of speech and your freedom of business. They want to socialize the meat industry. And it was dead on arrival. Not one rule passed. Oh. So Obama tried to do the right thing. I give him credit for that. He doesn't seem to do it often, but he really did it there, and he got screwed from the beginning. The meat industry owns the government, especially at the state level, but even at the federal level. So then it doesn't – there's no help coming then. If the president can't get this through and 97% of the meat that's produced is is evil meat, then what hope do we have? Strangely enough, as much as I hate lawyers in general, lawyers are the ones who are saving us in some ways. It is lawsuits on the environmental level that's driving some of these companies not out of business but out of the country. Mm. Uh, For instance, the pig farms have millions of gallons of pig urine and poop 
stored in lagoons. A hurricane came up to the Carolinas and flooded everything, and all the lagoons went over everywhere and ruined everything. The lawyers sued. Smithfield Foods moved to Poland or Romania. So it's, it's strange, but the lawyers are about the only hope at this point. Good golly. John Kistler's with us. We're talking about meat, the eating and production of meat. Stick around. We'll take a break. We'll be back in just a minute. W-O-R-D. It's National French Friday. I mean, we're, I know we're talking about meatpacking and all those sorts of things, yeah. but let's just all get hyped up about a vegetarian option. I feel better about it because the fries not, are not suffering too much, are they? No. So find us on Facebook, The Ride Home with John and Kathy, and you can weigh in. Um, it's National French Friday. Where is your favorite place for fries? Uh-huh. That's what. So I said that my favorite, I, I have two. Okay. I went with the, uh, the steak fry at Rico's. And I went for the skinny Parmesan fry at Oliver Twist on 6th Avenue downtown. Okay. John, you went for... I'm doing the O. Okay, you're That's going That's pretty the classic o. for me. Okay, John Kissler, weigh in, please. Your I favorite French fries. I like the original fry. hot dog shop fries. The O. And my friend, when he puts them on a barbecue grill and just grills big potato wedges. I love oh, I love yeah, the yeah. potato wedge. Why uh-huh. don't I do that at home? I never do that. Wait, what's the difference between a steak fry and a potato wedge? Well, one's not fried. One's grilled. I think a potato wedge is bigger. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is bigger. Still, I'll be happy to eat it. Okay. okay. So if you were getting fries at the O, would you get the regular? Do you go with the cheese? What do you do? I get the chili cheese. Oh, see, he goes one step further. Is what nice. He does. Yeah. Okay. So no hands. <laughs> no, no, fork. No, you got to go fork. It's too messy otherwise. Right, that's yeah. fine. I feel, I feel okay, go to our Facebook it. page, all right? Yeah. We, we want to know. We want to know. What's I feel like secret, I need to know. Is there like a secret excellent fry place out there? I want to know. I bet there is. That's why we have all these people listen to the show. Please. So tell we can us. go to those places. Yes. I also did put in an honorable mention for the Greek fries at Mediterrano on Babcock Boulevard in the North Hills. Greek fries? You know what they put on there? Huh. First of all, a lot of salt mm. and feta. Oh, feta fries. Oh, Who doesn't like yes. a feta? Oh. Yeah. How about, gra- you like gravy on your fries? You no, do <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like anything that makes my fries soggy. Really? How, yeah. Well, you don't like a uh, like an open-faced sandwich? You like? Would you do that with some fries on it? No. Oh. No, I don't like you that. You don't like open-faced? I'm not big. Well, I'm like a turkey, open faced turkey. I'm okay day with, after with turkey open faced, but yeah. I don't want my fries touching my gravy okay, all right, all ever. Right. All right. Thanks for asking, but no. Just kind of curious. That's how I feel. Okay, we're we're talking the hard truth with John Kissler about meat, the meat industry, the production of meat, our eating of meat, uh, good meat, bad meat. John, it's a difficult conversation. So. How do, how do you go about this? How, you, you know, as a Christian, you want to be a good steward of God's resources. But what you're telling me, basically, is the system is rigged against us in many ways to find harm-free meat, right? It's not an easy thing to find it. However, I'm not giving up, and not in any way, in fact, because we know from the Bible that Jesus is going to put every enemy under his feet. Mm. And the current meat industry is one of his enemies. And he will put it under his feet. Whether I can help him do that or whether we have to wait till the end, I don't know. But they will be crushed. They will be punished for their evil. This is an institutional evil. We call it a cold evil because it's not per se an intentional evil. It's not like they set out, let's make the worst tortuous possible way we can to kill our animals. No, no, it's a cold evil because it came from scientists the fastest, the easiest, the cheapest way. So that's what an institutional evil is. If you read uh, The Space Trilogy by C.S. Mm-hmm. Lewis, the third book, That Hideous Strength, is about an evil corporation that grows in power. Hmm. And that's exactly what the meat industry is. So if more people would see their meat being processed, 
I think people would respond in kind, wouldn't they? That's one of the keys. Uh, there are now 13 states that have have ag-gag laws, which means agricultural gag laws. In other words, you are not allowed in those states to even take photographs of a farm, lest anything bad come out. Is and that in fact, right? if you were an animal rights person trying to show abuses, you could go to prison while they'll go right on doing their wickedness in there. So, yeah, it's more of a crime to take a picture at a farm than it is to actually be cruel to animals. Hmm. So that's where we are. What we need to do is we need to have openness. Why do you do anything in the darkness? That that abortion clinic in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. Kermit, mm-hmm. whatever. Kermit goes no. no. There's an evil that would have been prevented with openness. Mm-hmm. Any darkness is ruined by light. And anything that wants to be in the darkness hates the light. So I say bring the light to the meat industry. Let's see what's going on in there. And they'll shape up. They won't have any choice. Americans will stop eating the we're worse now than we were in the jungle. So are there advocates like you who are out there right now? I'm sure there has to be documentary filmmakers who would be willing to delve into this. There are. Actually, uh, there was a book written called Slaughterhouse by Gail Eisnitz about 15 years ago. And CBS, uh, 60 Minutes, they wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. She had proof. She had video interviews, photographs, documentation. They wouldn't touch it because nobody wants to know. That's part of the problem is we don't want to know. Mm-hmm. We feel better being ignorant because yeah. then we can keep doing what we're doing. That's sad. But, like, if you, if you knew your blouse was made in China by children in slave camps, right. wouldn't you stop buying of that course. shirt? So then why is it okay that we can buy and eat happily three times a day what we know is absolutely evil? Mm-hmm. I have a problem with that. We have to start turning. Even if it's not a sudden, I'm a vegetarian as of now, that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is we have to start thinking and repenting for letting them get away with this. Hmm. Now, i, I got to say, I, I would imagine most people don't consider what we're talking about now, right? Not to pat ourselves on the back, but I, I think we're blissfully ignorant. We choose to ignore the facts. Mm-hmm. It's hard to talk about things like this. I, I didn't like reading about it. It's nastiness. But if you don't uncover the nastiness, it's like the Holocaust. The Germans, the Nazis, got away with it for four years because nobody cared. Apparently, uh, FDR and Churchill knew about it, but they didn't want to know about it um, because then they'd have to do something about it. It's a lot easier to pretend you don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. I know. It always is. What, uh, when we went to commercial break, I said out loud, is there no end to the wretchedness of humankind? I mean, we... We can mess every part of a beautiful creation up yeah. in different ways. So it can be overwhelming, John. If you're, if, so if you want to eat responsibly and you're not a millionaire, I mean, if you're a millionaire, it's easy, right? You can, you, you know, spend, yeah, sure. you know, $12 a pound to get your ground meat or whatever. The average person can't do that. The average person probably can't even afford to get cage free eggs, let alone, you know, get 100% grass fed beef. So what's your suggestion? Well, one easy way is actually, and surprisingly, eat more beef. It's the white meats, it's the chicken and the pork that are the most cruel. The cow industry, the beef industry, has not become so cruel yet. They do put hormones in them. They do stand in muddy feedlots, which are smelly, but they have sunlight and they can walk around. So if you wanted to base your diet entirely on what's the least cruel, beef. Mm -hmm. Okay. But generally, eat less meat. Yes. Of all sorts. Yes. And if you were going to skew one way, I'd go with beef, hmm. just for the amount of cruelty. It, it hasn't become a factory farm yet. Very good. It's getting close. 
Hey, John, uh, people want to reach out and connect with you because uh, I know that you, you know, you're in the process of writing a brand new book, but you do workshops, you invite people into this conversation with you. Let's talk about that. Uh, my website is godsanimals.net. And uh, it's got a blog, and it's got podcasts of my previous three interviews. We'll put up the fourth one soon. That's today's is the fourth one. Uh, people ask questions. Uh, I've had a couple people write and ask me questions about animals in heaven and et cetera. I do want this uh, to grow, and I'm hoping that will happen. It started slow, but everything starts out somewhere. Elephant steps. Very good. <laughs> well, John, I appreciate uh, mm-hmm. your passion for this, do. the advocacy to talk about animals in this particular way. Uh, it's a unique conversation. We're glappy, happy that we, uh, we've uh, intersected with you, and let's continue on that conversation. Thank you. I'll see you again. John Kistler, we post information about John on our Facebook page. Where you can find out more for yourself. We'll be right back. Where are we going, Dr. Groans? It's search of treasures, kid. Hidden treasures. Like ancient artifacts? No, the gently used kind. Like you find at City Mission's hidden treasures stores.